Welcome to the Restaurant Marketing Podcast, where we talk about how multi-unit brands successfully market at the local level. Today on the show, we welcome Derek Rosenbaum, president of Groucher's Deli, an 80-year-old neighborhood deli based in Columbia, South Carolina, where I'm told it's very balmy today, uh, with more than 40 units. They're known for open-faced hot dipper sandwiches and salads, as well as their signature Formula 45 sauce. Derek has been an operator. He's implemented a central distribution commissary and project managed the opening over 40 franchise units. He also modernized the entire business into being incredibly tech forward. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit today. Derek's business formula for success is people plus pride plus passion in that order. Uh, fun fact, he is a trained carpenter. During COVID, he built an outdoor kitchen slash amphitheater, affectionately known by his neighborhood as the Grillzebo. Derek, welcome to the Restaurant Marketing Podcast. Awesome to be here, Rev. Always great to uh, spend a little time with you. Awesome. I appreciate it. I'm live today uh, in, in, in Kentucky. I'm on a bit of a road trip, so it'd be able, fun to be able to do this show anywhere. So let, let's get right into it. Brands have been around for a very, very long time, and you were, you obviously didn't start it, correct? Yeah, I was not alive 82 years ago. <laughs> it was like, there's another podcast we're going to have if you were. I've got um, a great skincare regimen, but you know, not, <laughs> not, not at that level. <laughs> How did you come into the brand? So... Third generation is my business partner, Bruce Miller, and uh, he and I got to be good friends, fishing buddies, hanging out buddies, drinking buddies, all the things that buddies do, right? And in my previous career, I was in commercial construction, so I had built many types of buildings, including restaurants, catering halls, and he, and he was ready to start franchising, and I was like, well, why don't I build it? You teach me how to operate it. You know that side of the business, and you know, that's where the marriage started, and we opened up franchise one, two, three, and four, and it just evolved from there. We had a central commissary for a while, learned the distribution side of the business. I mean, I, I've literally worked in every aspect of Groucho's. Okay, so when you came on board, it was one store? One store and like a, the first like licensed store, but I was technically the first franchise. Okay, so you opened store number two? Correct. Interesting. That is incredible. And you had no background in this business whatsoever, right? It just none. I mean, I, I did the build out and, you know, I did both for about six months and I'm like, okay, maybe I'll go babysit kids instead of grown men. And that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> nice. So what, you know, I have so many questions. Did you sit down on day one and said, okay, we're doing this. We're going to open a dozen more stores or did that come later? Like where in the plan did that happen? You know, I mean, First, you know, I'm a big fan of crawl, walk, run. So, you know, learn the business, master it, then make it better and then scale it. So it, it, it was a slow evolution at first going from like two to eight. And then then you can start scaling because, you know, brand recognition starts exploding and you're getting into all these secondary markets outside of your core market. And so, I mean, we don't have we don't measure success in the number of units. So like there is no. We know what we want to do each year, but that's not like we're going to do it if it makes sense. We don't try to fit square pegs in the round holes. Got it. Okay. Now you are not in charge of marketing. You're in charge of the whole company. But how, do, how does marketing fit into your everyday? Like how do you see it and how does it affect what you do? Well, I mean, like you always like to say, marketing writes the checks and operations has to cash them, right? <laughs> You know, I, I see it as, you know, marketing sets the expectation. Operations has to deliver on those expectations. I mean, uh, I work hand in hand with, I mean, you know, you know our brand, head of brand and marketing for us. I mean, he's, he's awesome. Yeah, I, I got lucky to get a real creative genius on my team. 
So, uh, you know, it plays in hand in hand, you know, bringing in the brand continuity, the visuals, you know, delivering the program messages around gift and loyalty, whether it's digital ordering, whether whatever desire it is, you know, I, I need the marketing team to help us deliver the expectations so then marketing can then refine that and deliver. Sure. And what I mean, I know you're hev heavily involved in the marketing of the business, but, you know, as the president, what is it you expect the marketing team to deliver? Like, how do you measure their success? What kind of guidance do you give them that kind of stuff? Well, you know, that game has changed a lot in the last two years. You know, before it was sales, sales, sales. Right now, I, you know, sales comes. I look now I look at retention and specifically retention is our focus is guest retention, guest retention, guest retention, because I think if you do that right with the reputation management and the right service recovery mechanisms, the acquisition can happen organically. You know, none of us will ever understand the algorithms of Google, but we do know that if you have a great Google score and you have great reputation management, that is all part of that consideration. And then making those experiences seamless as possible in that digital forefront, you know, pre COVID we were maybe five or 6% digital, you know, now we're closing in on 40%. So you know, the games change, the rules are constantly changing. And, you know, you need operations and marketing to work hand in hand to deliver that content and the experience. Right. How do you, I mean, feel free to, I, I know you're very big into tech and so feel free to name check any tech you want here, but how do you manage, uh, measure and drive guest retention? Oh, 100% Vicky, <laughs> 100%. And I know you're a customer as well. I mean, it, it's a game changer. It's an absolute game changers. So, I mean, we're measuring, you know, AUVs, guest retention, new guests, we're lapsing, churn, lapsed, you know, the whole guest life cycle now is we have full visibility from start to finish. Um, so hell up until a month, two months ago, a guest was sort of static, as I would say. So but prior to that, we were like, what is a lapsed guest? So we would say, it's been 60, 70 days since we've seen you. We're going to put you in this email drip campaign, maybe on drip three, we'll give you a discount. We're not a discount brand, but we do save those for service recovery mechanisms and churn guests. Um, but now the guest has become dynamic, big, big keyword in our industry these days. So, you know, we can trigger you if you fall out of your previous, you know, with, with a good CDP tool, you can understand that guest life, life cycle, their frequency, their cadences. And if they fall out of those cadences, then you can just, trigger them with a simple reminder, right? And then churned as a whole different segment. And then now you can do retention marketing around PMIX. I mean, there's just so many things you can do. It's limitless. It's like, how do you prioritize that, right? Because you don't want to overbomb them with, with in their inbox. So, I mean, that's in, for us, especially around retention is, you know, we put out a weekly newsletter and our engagement is through the roof, anywhere from 35 to 65% open rates. And I mean, we're seeing conversion rates as high as 20%, sometimes at the location email level. So content matters and engaging content matters more. So it can't just be You got to have the right team members to, to deliver that engaging content. That is not my wheelhouse. I hire my weakness <laughs> all day long when it comes to that. Like I know how I want to get there, but I can't fill in the, I can't color in the, in the lines 
to get from A to Z, right? Amen. All right. So for everybody that's with us live today or anybody that's listening to the audio recording, uh, Bicky is B-I-K-K-Y.com. It is a CDP. And yes, we use it at the burger shop as well. Um, how were you? I want to definitely talk about some of that stuff. But what were you doing before you had Bicky? Like, did you have any way to measure and activate and automate any of that kind of stuff? Not really. I mean, it was just kind of a throw some gel at the wall and let's see what sticks, right? <laughs> <laughs> for, for sure. Uh, maybe we'll talk offline about this, but we learned a trick in Bicky recently about late guests. And I think you're kind of on it. Essentially, for those listening, most restaurants do an average number for lapsed. So they take their entire guest database and they go, okay, on average, at, if you haven't been here in, let's say, 75 days, you're essentially we've lost you, right? And then they trigger marketing based on 75 days. Well, if my pattern as a guest also matches that pattern, then that's fine. But essentially the way to do it, and I think you might be doing this. If not, I'll show you how we do it. Essentially, is every guest has their own pattern. That's what I mean by it's every each guest, is their journey is dynamic to them. Yep. And we can customize through segmentation that messaging to them. Yeah. So like essentially, like if I went to Groucho's every week and Derek went every month, I skip a week. My cadence has changed. Correct. He skips a month. His cadence changed, but our cadence is different. And so essentially what you're saying is you trigger a message right there at that point. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, understanding guest habituality, you know, you, there's the few unicorns that are daily, then weekly, monthly, quarterly. Right. And, you know, if they lapse out of that, I mean, there might be legitimate reasons. They may have moved. They may have whatever. Uh, maybe on vacation for two weeks. Who knows? But, yeah, we can still hit them with that message. Just a, a general reminder, awareness marketing, if you will. Right. OK, so you're saying that in a in a in a late guest flow, not a lapsed guest flow, a late guest flow, you just send it like a we miss you email. Right. Yes. We love you. We miss you. If we did something wrong, please let us know and we'll we'll, we'll deliver the service recovery. Yep. I find that, uh, you know, a lot of people in our industry like to talk about like the theory behind these things, but they never talk about what is the creative you put in the email. <laughs> right. And it, so, matters. Yeah. it really matters. All right. Now, if somebody, again, if they go into this like late guest flow, how many emails are in that flow? Right now, it's, it's, it's just a single. Um, we may expand on that in the future. We're, we're still very early in this, so we're still measuring it. Right. So. I don't want to oversaturate them because they're already in a weekly cadence with a newsletter three times a month. And then one time a month, we do location specific e-blasts. Um, and those are curated again through Bicky with segmentation. We, you know, if this, then that. So um, I don't, I'm a big fan of not over, like if you overbomb my inbox or something, I'm done. Like I'm out, I'm unsubscribing. <laughs> Forget about it, right? So we monitor our, our uh, unsubscribe rates diligently. So, I mean, customers will tell you if it's too much through that mechanism alone, really. Okay. What? How often does your menu change? <laughs> Hardly ever. <laughs> okay. So what do you put in a weekly email to your guests? I mean, recently there's been this theme. I mean, we have 82 years of history, right? So sure. like, if you go... At, our office is in an area called Five Points in Columbia, South Carolina, right next to the University of South Carolina. Our, this building's built in the 20s. Like our, we're on the second floor. It's like Mad Men minus the cigarette smoke up here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, and it's like a walking museum. So, I mean, we have so much history to involve. And then we have at least four generations of customers eating with us. So, you know, 
there's always going to be some kind of menu feature, right? What And that'll be seasonal based, you know, in the summers, it's going to be more light, lighter stuff. In the winter, we're going to focus in on Rubens and like a midi special or one of our heavier dippers. And then we focus on our community gives back. We do a lot of give backs events. So we have, we make that personable, uh, sometimes around food ethos, sometimes around programs. And then there's typically a theme to every email. So we've done like a seventies and eighties and nineties theme because we have all of this content. And then we have customers that we can go talk to and interview. Like right now the head of brand and marketing for us is working on a fifties, but he's like, I need more information. So like we're sending out a survey to get people to come engage with us. Cause I mean, there's been customers eating with us since 1940. So like we're fortunate in that regard. And, but that's where the content matters and is engaging. And when you see open rates just on a generic, I don't say generic, that's the wrong term, but on a, on a weekly, you know, the Groucho's Gazette is what we call it. You know, if you, if you're getting 35 to 40% open rates, I mean, that's unheard of in our industry. Yeah, I think uh, Mailchimp reports the average open rate for restaurant business is nineteen point two. Yeah. So, so I mean, we use Mailchimp just like you do, and you know, it tells us when to send, when is the right time to send. But you know, that that changes. We play with it a little bit. Nice. What advice would you give to somebody who does not have eighty-two years of brand history to put into a weekly email? I mean, I'm assuming you're looking at other brands' emails. Is there anything that sticks out to you? No, I mean, st stay true to yourself. And, and you know, who is your ICP, as you like to say? What's your, what's your ideal customer profile? I mean, I think for most of us right now, it's probably millennial females, but um, that may not necessarily be the case um, in, in a different market. You know, if you're selling just hot dogs, I don't know that that would be your ideal customer profile. Um, know who you are and be consistent in that messaging. So... Talk about your programs, talk about your food ethos, talk about, you know, we're big on customer centricity here. You know, not all customers are created equal, but they are all still customers. So how, how do you translate that to your brand? You, you, you and I have talked long enough to know that I believe in best <laughs> to fit for your brand, not best in breed. And that applies generally across the board for me. What I, you know, it's funny. I think a lot of restaurants don't understand who what their ideal customer profile is. It's amazing. And then there's other brands that like it's completely obvious. Like Taco Bell, 100% their ICP is people under the age of 25. Right. You know what I mean? Like go look at all their marketing. And I had a chance to talk to a former CEO there, drunk at a bar at NRA. And I was like, you're going to answer the one question I'm dying to know. Is Taco Bell's ICP people under the age of 25 he's like 100 and i said why and he said this is amazing he goes well we know if we hook them early we get them for life right <laughs> i was like all right very good uh, all right true. so yeah for somebody that hasn't really thought about what their icp is do you have like an exercise or a way that you would tell somebody to try to figure out who their icp is you know i i think prior to the uh enrichment of all of our tech stacks you know it was somewhat <laughs> anecdotal <laughs> and, and the only way to be that is, I mean, you got to be in your stores and you got to, you got to, you got to spend time in the field. You can't be in an office saying, this is what I think it is. And, you know, this is what MailChimp's demographics tell me it is. So, I mean, you, you can take the, the social media demographics, you can take the MailChimp demographics and you can layer those in and kind of get a general idea. But, you know, even going back to Vicky, I mean, we're getting ready to enrich our data profiles with all of that demographic data. So, I mean, we're going to get really granular at the location level 
with understanding who our ideal customer profile is because it it might not in Columbia in our legacy market it might be one thing but if you go to downtown Charlotte it could be a, something completely different right so yes we have carryovers we have a lot of people in University of South Carolina is a giant school so a lot of people went to school here and move out into the Atlanta markets or you know Athens or Georgia or Raleigh or wherever so I mean we do have some brand awareness and recognition but I, I don't without a measurement tool I don't know how you can accurately get that data amen um okay so you're using a lot of email do you have a loyalty program yes okay I, I I know the answer to that question, but for everybody else's application. <laughs> I mean, it's more of, it's more of a, I guess some people would call it a rewards program. So uh, mm -hmm. it, it's, uh, it's earn and burn. You get one point for every dollar you spend. We put zero hurdles on it. So if you, so the, the, the basic premise of the program is for every, every dollar you spend, you get a point. Each point has a cash redemption equivalent in our stores of six cents. So simple math, clean math for programs talking like app and online ordering, talking to the POS system. So there's no rounding errors. We'll learn that lesson the hard way. Um, for us, we put no hurdles. If you spend $1, that six cents is available to you to purchase on your next order. So we don't really give like a sign on bonus. We don't, you know, say you got to get 60 points to get $5 or what, whatever the math might be. We, we make it super simple some you know that gives the customer all the autonomy they want some people like to spend it every time they come some people like to accrue and accrue and accrue and accrue and they're going to get a different message right so um so we also doing some segmentation around loyalty as well but for us if you want to access our loyalty program you have to access that either through our online ordering or through our application ordering right that's that's where that piece of data resides for the customer. If they want to see their their balance, their points, their dollar value, equivalent value, et cetera. So we take a holistic approach in our tech stack. I don't want a standalone loyalty app. It should all be a seamless integrated platform. Okay. So there's no like a at X amount of points, you get a free this or that it's pure cash value. Now, early on we did for uh, points for product and it, it's just, it's clunky. It's not easy. This way, the customer has full access to the whole menu, unless they're in a third party. That's a different story. But um, and they can redeem it however they want. Six cents or sixty bucks. We don't care. You know, we just want you to spend. And our data shows us the stores with the highest loyalty redemption rates also are in the top quartile of our of our system, hands down. Um, hands down. How did you arrive at six cents? Just a big fan of the movie. It, it kind or? of evolved. It kind of, you know, it, it evolved. So, I mean, we were at QSR a couple of weeks together and, you know, I mean, we've had some iteration of a loyalty program for decades. You know, I, I think I used the analogy there that, you know, Harold, Harold Groucho Miller used to give out wooden nickels. And on the back, on the one side of it was a little Groucho Man logo. On the back side, it was a free cup of coffee. And it evolved in the 70s. We had a Groucho's Club. And, you know, in, I think in 2010-ish, we launched our first, like, new loyalty system back then so it was a dual purpose plastic card so it could serve as a gift or or loyalty and then we evolved into where we are back then it was um we did have hurdles when we first launched digital and uh it was uh 80 points for five dollars every 80 points you got five dollars and that was the hurdle or the lift you know and 
when we when we when we went to the cloud and updated our systems like three months before COVID hit, we just said, let's just remove the hurdles. You spent, you earned, you came, you spent money with us. Loyalty is inclusive. That's what we want it to be and feel. So you can spend it how and when you choose. That's awesome. Um, who are you, if you don't mind my asking, who are you using to power your loyalty? Or your so it's actually, the, actually the engines in our POS. Interesting. I mean, it's, it's a basic loyalty engine. I mean, yes, we can do a little surprise and light with like double points days, or we can do specific points around menu items or around visits. And, you know, we, we, we selectively dole those out in more of a surprise and delight type mechanism. But generally speaking, our surprise and delight, we want to do that through email segmentation marketing and give you something a little more personable. Got it. Do you mind my asking which POS you're using? Uh, Linga. I've actually never heard of that. Amazing. I didn't know there's a POS I've never heard of. Awesome. How do you, what percentage of your database or your customer base is signed up into loyalty? Do you know? Of our trackable marketable guests, it's about 17 and a half percent. Okay. That's pretty big actually. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I'm pleased with that number. I mean, you, you made the point like not everybody wants to be in a loyalty program. Not everybody wants to be trackable and marketable. Right. So that's why you have to broaden the scope and swim in all the channels. Yeah, I don't. I know you don't think this way, but uh, it is amazing to me how much prioritization, especially like the larger QSR brands, put on rewards programs. Like, I get it. Okay, those are high value guests. They're easy to measure. You know, big brands have never had a way to measure guests because essentially everybody walked in and transacted at the register. Like everybody who's unknown. I get it, but I think the largest bucket of opportunity is the guest that gives you their email or phone number, but does not sign up to loyalty. And I mean, I know that you believe that and that's what you guys- 100%, 100%. I mean, e email is our one of our greatest acquisition, I mean, retention tools, period. Do you have other retention tools you're using, obviously besides rewards? I mean, I'm a big, I mean, we uh, service recovery, I mean, and reputation management. I mean, we respond to every review every piece of direct feedback. So we use marquee innovation. I mean, you and I have a very similar tech stack except for maybe the heart. Um, so, you know, and, and customers appreciate that. And, you know, what, what we've learned, are learning from like switching to ovation and getting this direct feedback and trying to keep that offline, right? Is that customers just want to be heard. You know, you don't necessarily have to discount or refund or, and that's another component of our loyalty program is, we use loyalty for service recovery every single day. I mean, so it's an it's easy lift It's and customers appreciate it. Yeah, we if something went really wrong, like somebody messaged us the other day, they got tinfoil and a hot dog, which I did, have no idea how that happened anyway. But we refunded them. But yes. if it was but if it was like they didn't like the experience or, you know, we forgot a sauce or you know, maybe my servers were rude, which happens incredibly rarely, but everybody has a bad day. Right. Uh, we just give, we'll be like, here, here's 50 points. Like, you know, that's enough for a free order right. fries or, you know. I mean, lo loyalty is an easy, easy, easy service recovery mechanism if done right. All right. Now I want to bring something else out here for everybody that's listening. Because I hear from multi-unit brands all the time. Oh, there's no way we could reply to every review. There's no way we could reply to every comment. There's no way. You just, you have what, 40, 44, how many stores? 31. Okay. You reply to every single customer in every single platform at every single location, every single time, correct? 
not so much in the third parties, but outside of that, sure. yes. Oh, own channels or whatever. Yes, okay. own channels. Everybody that's listening, you're never too big to reply to your guests. <laughs> Here's a trick. It's called generative AI. You learn it. <laughs> how, how do you, how do you use it? Generative AI. Sure. I mean, so prior to these tools coming into the tools we're already using, I mean, we, we kind of wrote canned responses and then curated them specifically to the, the feedback or the um, online review. But now with generative AI, you know, and the trick is, is you have to learn it to speak your, the voice of your brand and, and the message that you're trying to deliver. And then obviously putting the right keywords in for digital relevance. Um, and, and I mean, we've taken a task that used to take, you know, a couple hours a day down to tops 15 minutes a day. I mean, we're still approving everything. We're still looking everything and we're tweaking, but as you tweak, it learns. And eventually, I mean, we may check the box and say, let it go. But I mean, literally now it's, it, we've been using it for about a month. And I mean, it's really just approve, 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 approve. And unless it's a very unique use case, then, you know, then you need to get in there and edit it a little bit. Okay. So do you have that plugged into something like Ovation or are they separate? You're writing, like, how does that work? So o Ovation is direct direct feedback and then marquee would be all the third party feedback. I mean, third Google Yelp. Google Yelp. And so the, so the, the AI pieces, that's a piece that you're getting through marquee, correct? Marquee innovation. Yes. Okay. So, all right. So you're not, it's not like you went and got AI and plugged it in. You're, those are inside the system. Now, these, were value, these were value add mechanisms into a tool we were already utilizing. See everybody, it is easy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you just, it, it's like anything else that works up front, right? When you build your menu in a point of sale solution, it's a grinding, horrible task. But if you stop and do it methodically and take your time, it's done. Then you just duplicate it. And it's the same thing with this. And, and customer, I mean, feedback's not going anywhere. So, you know, get on board because it is certainly part of your digital relevance. Uh, Justin agrees with us here. For okay, so who is doing that? Is somebody in HQ doing that, or is somebody at the locations going through them? Uh, no, here at H headquarters. So I mean, I know you, we built kind of our own internal marketing agency because we just weren't getting the results we wanted, and now we have somebody that's brand focused, and that's all they do. They speak our brand, they know our brand. I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to monitor them. We don't have to gatekeep anything. So, and we provide lots of services, and it's it's. Um, it's optional, but we currently have 70% of the chain using it and more interested, but it's only 10 months old. But I mean, we're doing reputation management, direct social media posts, location specific emails, curated, you know, marketing content. If you need something for the local basketball team, or we manage this, this program also manages those givebacks nights. So we provide all the content to the organization. So we try to make it as easy as possible. Because my experience in 23 years in this business is that operators typically just want to operate, right? Yeah, that's what they should do. Yes, <laughs> yeah. they want to operate. And if we can take, you know, we keep adding dashboards and, and widgets and all these things. And it's just, it's becoming overwhelming to general managers and, and owner operators. So let's lift that burden off of them and we can master these tools internally and, and provide that service for them at a, at a much lower price than, a, than an agency can. And we're not going to stop when we reach our billable hour cap. Sure. So how many people are on the agency team, if you don't mind my asking? <laughs> it's just two. 
That's amazing. So you have 41 locations and that you have an agency that will do the marketing for them, which we don't expect them to do. They could obviously do their own, but this is sort of like an add-on. They pay corporate for that at a much lower price than they would pay somebody like me, let's say, or Targetable. Correct. My friends are Targetable. Correct. That's amazing. Everybody should think about this model. Yeah. I mean, it, it's brand centric. I mean, we, we've done the agency model, but I mean, they're managing multiple brands, right? And, and they hit their 10 hours allotted per store, I mean, per month or whatever, whatever the agreement is, you know, it's over, right? And, and the content might just be, it won't be as meaningful and as engaging. Got it. Okay. So we have like a minute or two here left. What are the, what are the high level services that the agency offers locations? I heard they do, you do, you have marquee at every location, right? And reputation management. Yeah, so we, we, we pay for those services corporately for marquee, marquee innovation. So that's already, that's already happening anyway, that stores actually have access to that because they obviously need their insights operationally. Um, so we're doing location-specific um, social media on Instagram and Facebook, TikTok and Twitter or corporate only. Um, we're doing once a month a location-level email. We do all of your segmentation and drip campaigns through welcome flows, uh, lapse flows, churn flows. And once we start this product mix stuff, you know, they're going to, we're going to do that for them too. Uh, we're going to do some AB, we do AB testing for them. So we'll take this cohort versus this cohort, see where we're getting the best, best response. Um, we, what about, uh, what about digital ads? Are you doing any digital ad work? Uh, we design all that in house. And if we can't, we have a third party that is, uh, very economically priced. Awesome. Well, Derek from Groucho's, this is the 30 minute conversation. We're at the 30 minute mark. I knew this would be awesome. I, I love hearing a brand that's been around for decades and decades and decades. That's like as modern as it could possibly be and doing things with smarter than brands that are 10 times your size, which is why I want to have you on the show. So we're always thank, looking thank for so what's next, man. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do an awesome job and I appreciate your time. Uh, if you're listening to the show, uh, if you're with us live, thank you for joining us. If you're listening to the audio broadcast, uh, please share this with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening. And uh, if you got somebody to suggest on the show, let me know, Derek. Thanks so much. Have a great day, buddy. Thank you. Fastest 30 minutes of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Cheers.